0: Hi, welcome to another episode of I Love Rock and Roll with your host, Ken Krantz. And I'm Chip Chan. <laughs> did you finally do it right and then freeze up like you finally didn't fuck it up? And yeah, then and, and, and then um, technology. Yeah,
1: I, was, <laughs> I had nothing else to add besides saying my name, but I thought I did it
2: pretty well. Yeah, no, it's totally I I did a pretty good job. Of that. Yeah, no, it froze right up. We didn't we hardly wear and I'm. And then,
0: yeah. So, so once again, poor yeah. opening. And we're, we're joined Great. once again by Johnny Goodtimes. Great to be here. Who, uh, it been-
1: just so happens that Johnny was obviously a historian of Spade Cooley. And uh, it just by luck of the draw is also. Just a huge fan and big historian of the group that we're covering this week. So we we had to have him back. By the way, before we get into this week's topic, Johnny, I know that you were a huge Spade Cooley fan Mm -hmm. up until 1960. You knew all of the history until then. We sort of revealed the later years and the 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 incurring incidents. Uh, Has your opinion of the man changed? After hearing the new the new information, the shocking information that you learned
2: the day of. The oh, breakfast. that he uh, that he was a, a torturer and a murderer. Yes. Yeah. Now, nah, I mean, it didn't really change. Um, <laughs> right. You know, it's uh, you know, these things are complicated. OK. And, you know, you don't want to just like, you know, just want to judge a guy on one mistake. Uh, right. Several hours in the making.
0: Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. One hour brutal mistake. Yeah, torture
2: fest, you know, and then yeah. people, you know, you know, the libtards are just going to make a huge deal out of it. Like, that's, so, oh, now he's getting canceled, you know, right. and I just, I'm not going to be a part of that.
1: Right, right. Did you, did you John say. Wayne, John Wayne Gacy was a, was, a, was a clown, you know, he was a, he was an entertainer. He loved children.
2: Right, and people just want to focus on the negatives. That's just the culture we live in. <laughs> exactly.
0: I was, It's funny you said John Wayne Gacy, because I was just about to ask if you ever saw, um, did you see that article like a couple of years ago where somebody dug up an old interview with John Wayne, like like a Playboy interview from the 70s where. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: He was like super homophobic and racist right. in it. And uh, millennials, I guess, didn't know who John Wayne was and were were calling for his cancellation.
2: <laughs> right. Like, like almost 50 years like after his years death. Years yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like that. Um, it's like that. Uh, there was that. Ah, uh, Pope that um Boniface, I think it was, and the next Pope hated him, so then he dug up his dead body and put it on trial. And then they found him guilty and then they killed him again. Is I sorry anyway, girl group, I, I, huh?
1: I I Johnny, I think that was also on an episode of Webster. That was, was on, on a later <laughs> season of Webster they did something similar.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was, that was that was that was the jump to Shark episode. Uh I mean, I just couldn't believe that um, you know, that, that what they did to Mrs. Papadopoulos uh was even allowed to air on network television.
0: <laughs> unjust. Unjust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Hey, say, yeah. say 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 hello to Chris behind the board today.
2: Hello. What's up, Chris? I'm doing pretty good and you guys are hilarious. So this is perfect.
1: No, well, thank
0: you. Yeah, right. Chris, Chris. Chris is a touring musician, so this this podcast might be right up his alley. Well,
1: that's great. Uh, can, can you can you plug something you're who you're touring with,
0: Chris? I absolutely can. I've got serious matters. N.J. Uh, we've got a band. We've got a show in June. Uh, we've got a new single coming out in June. We just released a record. We're on fire. We're looking to get out back in the country and start touring again.
1: Oh, that's great. Thank well, you. everybody, Good. check Chris out. That's great.
2: And the name of the I, band, Serious Matters? Serious Matters. Okay. What better way um, to throw
0: out your spam mail than getting that? <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I've I've heard of you guys. I know all the S bands. Uh, I have the S Encyclopedia, so I have Spade Cooley, I have the Shangri-Las, and I have the Serious Matters. So uh, oh. pretty well versed in uh, and what you guys are up to. Yeah. Um, and we, really good with the S's. These guys always call me back when there's an S episode.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We I,
2: Yeah. My, my my granddad was poor and he could only afford one one book in the encyclopedia. And, just like <laughs> and I've just got that I've got that shit down. If you if you
1: are gonna get one book, I think the S is a good one to have though.
0: Yeah, no, there's lots of words. Yeah. Yeah we, yeah, we threw out we threw out a bunch of different band ideas to have you back on. I mean, now that this is like our seventh episode, we're, we figure it's a good time to start bringing back guests.
2: Mm-hmm. And just or just the same one uh, every time when the other ones cancel on you. I'm like <laughs> I'm like that kid. I'm like that kid that lived down the street that you didn't want to play football with, but you had three guys and you wanted to make the game two on two. And the one guy didn't show. So you say, well, let's just call him.
0: <laughs> you're, no yeah. you're, you're like you're like our dh
2: yeah yeah i just yeah, i just sit in, the, <laughs> I sit in the clubhouse and drink beers until it's my turn to bat yeah, I, till, come up, I hit i go back to the clubhouse yeah you
0: Pretty knocked, much. you knocked it out of the park with the Spade Cooley episode i was, i was telling right, johnny let's not
1: let's let's not i mean come on let's let's not let's not go crazy Ken. Okay. you know get, get the guy gets a uh you know gets a big head here and then he's gonna he's gonna mail this one in you know we got to keep him honest i All think right. Right, keep me hungry. Keep me
2: hungry. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's um. So let's introduce the band that we're talking yeah. about today. I, I think we already mentioned cool. it. We're we're covering the Shangri Las.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, I I think we need to go back to the late fifties, the late nineteen fifties. That is, this is like this is around the time I I believe historically, I could be wrong, when one of the popes dug up another pope and tried him. And then had him no, no, it. no. I think, that was so, like I think,
2: the uh, that was, I think that was like the uh, the 1150s that you're thinking of. Okay, agree to disagree. Okay. So,
0: um, <laughs> was, you think that would have been bigger news the, in the 1950s,
2: right?
1: You, you would think so. Like, I like Ike, you know, but not this, this pope over here. Um, so the late 1950s, early 60s, of course, that's the the birth of. Rock and roll and the kids' music, the devil's music, if you will. Uh, but really, even though it was the devil's music, it was pretty boring. It, you know, it was very clean cut. It was, you know, these nice girl groups and boy harmony groups talking about love. Even the Beatles were always talking about love, right? You know, the beginning, nice and nice and clean cut. Uh, and then along come Stay these two cooling. sets of sisters. <laughs> Spade Cooley, Spade well, Cooley then Spade comes Cooley. along, murders and along.
2: murders his wife, and now we're ready for some rock and roll <laughs> action. That's when it happened. Yep. So, so much for that clean uh, cut bullshit. Let's party. Am I the only
0: yep. one? I got to the end of that Spade Cooley story, and the thing that I couldn't believe the most was that he tried to open a water skiing park in the desert. Like yeah. I, like even That's, I was like, I, I, I. He murdered his wife. He called his daughter home to watch her murder his wife. But the thing that stuck me the most was what kind of fucking idiot opens a water skiing park in the desert.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, if we want to just skip over the
2: Shangri-La's and just go right I have to Just, just the rehash Spade, Spade I, have, I, have, I, have. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you guys just want to drop the whole pretense of this podcast and just become a Spade coolie podcast, I mean, yeah. I can just keep coming back. Uh, yeah. you know, I'll just be the special guest each time.
1: I think we can title this episode. Remember walking in the sand <laughs> of the Mojave desert, trying to look for water to ski in.
0: Do you know that I went on to Amazon zero spade Cooley merch? I couldn't find a t-shirt or a coffee mug. It's like the dude doesn't even exist.
2: Oh my God. Just like I said, cancel culture. <laughs> yep. Okay, All
0: right. Chip, a, a chip as you were.
1: So, Uh, Let's let's go to the early 1960s in Cambria Heights in Queens, tough neighborhood in New York, Queens. And you have these two sets of sisters. You have Betty Weiss and her younger sister, Mary Weiss. They're teens. They're roughly about 17 and 15 uh, when this all gets started. And then their friends, Margie and Marianne Ganser, who were twins, who uh, who were right between them. They're about 16 years old. They were friends in school coming up. They started singing together. They started harmonizing. They started doing sock hops, teen hops, if you will. You know, Johnny used to go to sock hops when you're younger, right? That was a that was a thing that your generation did. Yep, yeah. And uh, they started doing talent shows. And they got oh, no, the attention psychops. of a gentleman. Those were uh, Chip,
2: I was, uh, I was okay. in the FBI. I was in the FBI. He and, was, sorry,
0: I got confused with some of the terminology. He um, was, yeah, he I, was okay. experimenting he was, with I, acid.
2: MKUltra, have you heard of MK Ultra? So anyways, yeah, I was going to say MKUltra. i is- sorry, I'm interrupting. I'm interrupting.
1: Okay, right. Okay, yeah. Yeah. We'll, uh, that's okay. We can edit that out. That's perfect. Um, <laughs> uh, so they got the attention of this guy, Artie Rip from Kama Sutra Records. And uh, who who signed them and and started started having them record. They didn't really have a name yet. Uh, they were just these four, you know, two groups of sisters. And uh, they came up uh, ba- based on a restaurant in Queens. Apparently, they came up with the name The Shangri Las, and that's who we're we're dealing with uh, today. The Shangri Las, the girl group.
0: So there was a couple things I don't even know. Like when you and I were discussing what bands to look at this week, I don't even know why I thought the Shangri Las. But, um, I thought it would be interesting to do like a girl group and they were, it was sort of the first one that popped out in my head. And I was very surprised to discover, like when I Googled them, I had no idea they were white. I had no idea they were Jewish. I had no idea they were as young as they were. Yeah. And, uh, you're
1: the only one who were surprised they were white. Uh, A lot of people thought, uh. Uh, you know, the, you know, that they were like a lot of the other girl groups of the day. They actually got uh, signed to do they would do these touring shows, you know, you know, you know, Dick Clark would send a show show around with a bunch of these groups or whatever. And uh, they were actually at one point asked to be a part of a show with James Brown and they showed up and it was an, it was an all black group, you know, a, you know, a whole a review of all all black artists and. Uh, James Brown apparently just started laughing right away when he saw them because he didn't realize that they were white. So there are these like four white girls in in this tour.
0: And two sets of sisters, which I thought was interesting. There's, there's so much in rock and roll about brothers. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of sister band. Like I can only I was even trying to think of how many I can name. I think I can only name like three other than this one.
1: There's there's Heart, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, Twisted Twisted Sister. They I were mean, si- they were all sisters? Yeah, Twisted <laughs> Sister were all sisters. Uh <laughs> the Ben Night Ranger, they did the song Sister Christian.
0: Right. Yeah. Um but also uh what Wilson Phillips, they were sisters, right? No, they were Night Rangers. Oh. <laughs> they were night nice. they yeah. that was
2: their no, that was their I, occupation. They then they went into music.
1: Oh, I'm there not was, even close. Were, was Sister Sledge sisters, I'm assuming. They they sang about being family.
0: Oh, I I'm didn't even think of them. Then.
2: Yeah. Wait, and maybe was,
0: maybe most bands are sisters. Maybe I have this all wrong.
2: I think you're totally I wrong. Do. <laughs> Wait, who was the who was the band that like their dad was uh their dad was like the leader and it was these two young African-American women and they sang like the sexiest songs like in the 70s, like really kind of over the top and it's really creepy when you find out that their dad was like the manager. Is that ringing any bells?
0: Is, is, that, is that Serena in Venus Williams?
2: No, you're thinking, no. Uh, is that a different band? band? Yeah. Um, Sorry, go ahead. Where where were we? The Shangri Laws.
0: <laughs> chip looks so confused with you
2: queens new york 1961 set in the stage 63
1: 63 set 19, in the stage 60
2: set in the, set in the i stage. mean there was a 1961 and 1963 <laughs> so, um, JFK's just been murdered chip take it away wait what <laughs> <laughs> all right
1: <laughs> um so, yeah, it was right. It was right around the time when when he did get murdered. Uh, their first recording was in December of 1963, literally weeks after the murder. The assassination of our nation's president. Coinc- coincidence? Uh, they went into the recordings. I I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think mean, I so. think this was let's just say maybe they were looking for an alibi uh, in December 1963. Uh, they recorded the song. The first song they recorded was called Simon Says.
0: For four Season Crowley present the dynamic Shangri-La's! Yeah.
1: And it has a very early 60s sound. It's like very, uh, I don't want to say bubblegum, but it's very upbeat. It kind of has like a Bo Diddley kind of beat to it. And, uh, you know, it just has that that upbeat kind of thing. Uh, their first release uh, was actually uh, Wishing Well with the other side of Hate to Say I Told You So, which also sort of had that, that upbeat kind of feel.
2: You can wish upon a star. It makes no difference. Just do the simple things I do,
0: and all your wishes will come true. I have a wish.
1: Uh, so uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's where they started, but then in April 1964, they signed to Redbird Records, and that's when they came across a gentleman called George Shadow Morton. George Shadow Morton, what a great nickname! Apparently, they he got that nickname because nobody could ever pin down where he was. You know, like his location, he was always kind of like lurking, and they, they never knew. You know, they couldn't find him, so they called him Shadow it was Shady. I think it's yeah, exactly. I think. I think it's great to have a like Ken. I mean, I think we could give you a nickname like like oh hey Chip Chantry and this is uh, Ken Viper Krantz. Like I think that would give you a little bit of an edge. I like that.
2: Yeah, I yeah. like Viper. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Johnny, like, what w- if you had a nickname? Like, what would you
2: like? You know, what would I, like- Johnny Good Times, use as a nickname? That's not something I'd do, Chip. I like to keep things. <laughs> oh, okay. It uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: right. Using your Christian name, Johnny Good Times. <laughs> right.
2: right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's yeah, I don't I don't I don't really I'm not really interested in these, you know, little reindeer games with the nicknames and all that stuff. Understood. That's for children. children. Okay. Okay. Uh, What about Johnny? I did not know a guy in college and they called him the White Phantom. And it was the same reason, which was that he I mean, he was really amazing. Like he would just show up like. It, like you'd be at like a party at like midnight and this was before cell phones. Like nobody knew how to communicate with anybody where they were, but you'd be at a yeah. party at like midnight. And this guy who lived like five hours away, like he didn't go to the college. He lived yeah. like five hours away. He would just walk into the party and you'd be they like, Phantom, how'd the Phantom get here? And then like, the, like I was out at Radford, in the mountains and I had friends at like UVA and they'd be like, oh yeah, we saw the Phantom last week. Like he would he just, just he would just show up at these places, and he was one of those guys. And like he was real shy, so I don't think he was like asking around. He just had that like internal radar.
1: Yeah, he just knew where the fun was. Mm-hmm. I I actually have the almost the opposite effect. I know where the fun isn't, and that's where I like to stay. <laughs> they, they actually they actually call me Chip Netflix Chantry. That is what uh, I do. So there's like there's a big party happening, and they call me up, and I'm like, you know, I'm just. You know, I'm just watching some movies on Netflix right now. Yeah,
2: Netflix and Chill Chantry. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's not bad. I like Viper uh, better.
2: No, that's what that's, that's that's my friends call me. Tougher, I'll grant you that.
0: Yeah.
1: I knew a guy. Uh, uh, he he was a card player and he was like a pretty good. You know, card players like get names, obviously a lot, you know, get nicknames. Uh, but this guy was a um, was playing poker and apparently one night he Th- drew three different flushes of uh, of Spade. So they just call him Spade. They just call him sp- like Spade Cooley was his, it, it was, it was his name. Yeah. Oh and then uh, let me tell you about the story. So he became this really good fiddle player and he played. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, he, he in the 1940s. So um, so anyway, uh, George Shadow Morton, I think we, we need to focus on uh, GSM, as I like to call him uh, for a little bit. George? So let's, just, let's just call him the shadow the shadow okay we'll, we'll call him the shadow uh he's the one who really kind of gelled this group and gave them this i think this image and this sound that they're known for he was the one who produced their two i would say biggest hits uh both leader of the pack i think we all know leader of the pack i think if anybody doesn't know the Shangri La's, you know the song leader of the pack with the motorcycle sound which we'll get into in a second but uh you know that that's a very famous song, and uh, the song "Remember" in parentheses, "Walking in the Sand." So, uh, and Ken, do you want to describe the way that he sort of produced these these songs that kind of made him different from this sort of bubblegum? Yeah, of he
0: he did it. Um, it was a little more throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. It it was a little more like, um, uh, who's that other murderer, dude? Uh, Phil Spector. Uh, Phil Spector. Yeah, yeah wall of yeah. sound. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a little bit more wall of sound. Yeah, and um, he he was taking these simple songs and and making them more complex through the production.
1: And they were really dramatic. They weren't about love and puppy dogs and all this wonderful stuff like it was it was a lot more you know they talked about you know running away runaways and death and dying and and, and heartache and these things that you know they weren't talking a lot about in in songs just yet and like I, he- I heard the word like opera thrown around a bunch of times when I'm reading about that Yeah, about like them operatic songs, how they, yeah this very operatic like they would have like spoken word parts in a lot of their songs it was very melodramatic and they really kind of put this vibe out and that like you got this feeling from it. Uh, I, I think I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but one of my favorite bands of all time is Pink Floyd and David Gilmore from Pink Floyd is quoted, quote, like cited them as a big influence and in saying that they quote painted oral pictures, which I think is like such a great, like just like yeah. painting a picture with sounds. And like, I mean, that's exactly what Floyd did, you know, eventually. And they, they really had that feel for like, I mean, you listen to it and it's just, it's some of the greatest music. Some of these tracks are just so dramatic and they just have all of these, you know, the sound effects, these orchestrations, the, the leader of the pack. It starts out with a motorcycle revving, which like today sounds kind of cheesy, but like back in 1963, 1964, like that was counterculture. That was, you know, bad news. Like motorcycles were meant danger uh, and they scared people. And, you know, so let's put that motorcycle sound right off the bat. And then of course the guy eats it in uh, leader of the pack. He dies, you know, so it's just like this sad, somber. uh, somber Yeah, I
0: never even knew that. I mean, I'd heard the song a million times, but I I didn't know it was about uh, a a dude crashing on his bike and dying. Is she really going out with him? Well, there she is. Let's ask him. Betty, is that Jimmy's ring you're wearing? Mm Mm hmm. Gee, it must be great riding with him. Is he picking you up
2: after school today? By the way, where'd you eat him? I
0: met him at the candy store. You turned around and smiled at me, you get the picture? Yes, we see. That's when I fell for the leader of the pack.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was a great time. That was like a that was like a really weird era of a couple of years where there was like a lot of these songs of like, like that you think are gonna be bubblegum songs, and then they just turn into like these unbelievable tragedies. Like like Teen Angel. Yeah uh what's yep. the one where like like the guy falls asleep and it ends up him and his girlfriend are like sitting on a railroad uh on um, the train last kiss is that last kiss that's the one that pearl <laughs> jam covered right pearl jam covered yeah. is what i'm thinking of yeah
1: yeah la- last kiss yeah and uh yeah. like jan and dean kind of dead
2: man's curve uh yeah and it was yeah, a no, lot I of these a- like yeah it was really weird because a was lot was, like, of dead like, teenagers kind of the- yeah, it was like out of the bubblegum era, but yeah, it was just like all of a sudden they were like, "How? What? What kind of twist we could could we put on these songs?" And somebody said, "What if all of them died?" Yeah, what if we yeah. just kill all these kids? Yeah, right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and this is a bit more of an anomaly, but back I think it was '59. This is a little bit of a different thing, but uh, one of my favorite songs of all time is uh, I, I love Bobby Darren and uh, Bobby Darren's Mac the Knife. Mac the Knife was such a huge hit, and it's like this. Almost, you know, a kind of jazz, kind of standard. Adults loved it, and it was this like upbeat, kind of big band, kind of situation. It's about a brutal murderer, and it's it's hilarious, and it's it's great. That it, that's such a fun, fun song.
2: No, no, you. I don't know. You got uh, sorry to interrupt, Chip. You got that wrong. It's about a uh, an adult burger that McDonald's is coming out with in okay. the <laughs> mid Uh eighty. They're going to do it. A, they're, they're, they're trying to be less of a kids' happy meal restaurant and more of an adult. Okay. Adult hamburger restaurants—they so bring back the knife in to sing about the hamburger.
0: Okay, because what, so what like grown a, ups wouldn't love a, a singing hamburger?
2: Right. Well, well was, I would was, say the, hamburger wasn't singing; it was the moon singing.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right.
2: Yeah, the moon was singing about a hamburger kid.
0: Okay, how, how silly okay. of me to think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no,
2: <laughs> you, yeah. You were confused. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you thought it was some sort of anthropomorphic uh, hamburger, but that would be ridiculous.
0: <laughs> it would be.
1: It's it, it, that is, I don't have children, but like trying to explain that to children has to be one of the like what was going on in the 80s with advertising was some of the creepiest. Johnny and I had a, I was on his podcast recently. We talked about the noid, which is coming back. Johnny, did you see that? The yeah, noid. I saw your
2: text. Co- yeah. I saw that you had. Yeah. Yeah. Can which, you, I mean, I think we I, probably jump started that. We probably got people thinking, oh, this is so. awesome.
1: Right, right. I, I mean, just explain the Noid and Max Hedrum and the Mac the Knife guy, Mac Tonight, to children today. Be like, no, this is what was on air. and This is what we like. Like, they just know Jake from State Farm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Nice guy in a golf shirt. He, yeah, know, like, that's well, shows
2: how lame we've gotten. Like, we used to really be doing a lot of drugs and then just running out and doing a commercial. Yeah. Yeah. That's the good old thing. Are Johnny. we still the not
0: doing old... a lot of drugs? Did that end?
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jesus, Ken. Are you still doing a yeah. lot of drugs? I'm still oh,
0: doing all, so many drugs.
2: Oh, you gotta knock that, stuff oh off. that is so passe, dude. Yeah. I love them all. Yeah. <laughs> no, you sound like an asshole right now. No <laughs> <sense>. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, it's just- just- yeah, no, we stopped that in like the, in like the early 2000s. Um, right after the boy band thing ended, um, then, yeah, we just stopped. We all agreed to stop doing drugs. Uh, that was
1: something I was such a surprised I was such a nerdy kid in, you know, middle school and you know, when I was what? a kid. And, uh, right. I know. I know. Just <laughs> so let's unpack that for a second. So if you can believe that. <laughs> but the one thing that we did, but we were also like assholes. We were like the nerdy jerks that like we thought we were funny. And we would just wait till like we'd be in the hallway in like seventh grade and like wait till a teacher walks past and we just turned to like that we just thought was a jerk or whatever. And I would just be like, no, Josh, I don't want your drugs (laughs) really loud. Like as a teacher was walking past, we got beat up a lot. (laughs) Can't imagine. Speaking of getting beat up a lot. I do. I do have to say I was actually in Barry, the lead here. I was in musicals in high school. Once again, shocking. Uh I performed in musicals in high school, my sophomore year we did a musical called leader of the pack. It was literally called leader of the pack. That was about like kind of the Brill building sound. It was one of these jukebox musicals. Mm -hmm. And one of the songs was of course, leader of the pack. And luckily I was not in this number. I was not, I was just in the chorus this year. And luckily I was not in this number because there was three or four guys, my friend, Dan, my friend, Mike were two of them where they Motorcycle guys for leader of the pack, and I have to say that year the the lady who was the director of our you know, theater she was she was a nice lady, but she kind of phoned it in and the production basically called for three guys on motorcycles as part of like the, the the girls are dancing and singing about this, and then these tough guys and they had their leather jackets and they were supposed to be on motorcycles and you revved it. Well, all she got were these plastic bars with like a headlight put on them. And they just stood there with the plastic bars, like no motorcycle or anything. They're just standing there. And then she was going to get like a fog machine to, to blow onto stage. So you would see them breaking through the fog and it would look like their own. Oh, and then, and they
0: would hide the fact that they were just standing there holding handlebars. They were just standing there. Right. And she never bothered to get the smoke machine, the fog
1: machine. So these guys had to go up in front of the entire school and try to act <laughs> tough and just stand there in leather jackets and just rev these plastic bars that aren't even handlebars. They're just these bars with these uh, with these headlights on them. And it, like I, I remember there was audible laughter in the crowd. Like, I mean, it was it was supposed to be cute or whatever, but like just they just got mocked openly for weeks and weeks and weeks uh, for for looking like the most ridiculous uh and, and I was just glad I wasn't in that scene.
0: I'm and, sorry. And, and I have
1: a, and look at me now.
0: I have a hard time believing a middle school theater director would this, be phoning high school, it in. High school. High, oh, okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, so um, let's get back to the, let's get back to the Shangri-La's. I mean, that's what we're talking about. So, but they, ju- they were the first group that really had this bad girl image. So there are these, they weren't the clean cut, girls that people were used to. They're from Queens. They're, they're rough around the edges. And uh, they, they kind of put out this vibe. And of course, their songs were all about, you know, running away about death, about about heartache. Yeah. And uh, they, they, got they this, this. they
0: seemed like authentically tough girls. Like it wasn't yeah. it wasn't a persona. They said right. I was reading about them. So leader of the pack hits number one. In 1964, mm. they have a number one song on the billboard charts and they are aged between 15 and 17 when, when they yep. hit their first number one single. All of their parents, I guess um, both sets of parents, agree to let them tour the country with no supervision, no parents came with them. They hired a 19-year-old bodyguard and Mary Weiss famously carried a gun with her on tour yeah. as like a 15 or 16 year old girl carried a gun for protection and actually got arrested with it, like crossing state lines. And then, yeah. and then there was rumors that they were run that they were running guns for the mob. But this was like just a tough Queens chick who knew that, you know, she, she yeah, had were, to look yeah, out for they herself. They were
2: real ones. They were real ones. You yeah. Know? This, this and was, they, was, and
1: uh, they also kind of had to, yeah, they kind of had to because not only were – so they didn't have an entourage. They didn't have even really a manager, I don't even think. They were just kind of out there on tours with these other bands. And they, they said that people would try to break into their hotel rooms at night. So that's part of the reason she got the gun. She would also be – Mary would also be carrying the cash that they got from the venues. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times they'd be paid in cash so that she'd have all this like wads of money. So she's like, yeah, I better get a get a side piece to,
0: uh, to
1: protect myself. You know, so these are these girls are the real deal.
0: But also, could you imagine handing a bag of cash over to a 16 year old girl? And I mean, being I like, good luck.
2: Uh,
1: I heard a story about uh, a gentleman recently who Venmoed a bunch of 16 year
2: old girls. Um, uh, but oh, he's, oh, yeah, I heard about that guy. No, real, real upstanding uh, American. Yeah. I know he's um, he loves he loves the country. He loves. um right.
0: Yeah, he's a he's I, a, I, pa- I he's a patriot.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah,
1: but not but not cash. I couldn't imagine cash.
0: Venmoing, sure. Yeah,
1: sure. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, you can't can't get caught.
0: You know what? You know what I think is like a, a a weird element to this band is I don't know. I don't know if it's like. There's almost like a racial element where the other girl groups of the day, so many of them were black, and so many of them came up through Motown, like, you know, the Supremes and um others. Martha <laughs> <the> Vandellas. <laughs> yeah. 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 Martha and the Vandels and uh the Ronettes. And they all had to go through Barry Gordy's like finishing school they all had to be polished and upstanding citizens in order to achieve crossover success Mm -hmm. and then you've got like nobody was telling these white girls how to act or how to be they were just like hey you just just go just go be you and and they went out Mm -hmm. more authentic and and i wonder I'm not saying that that these other girl groups uh, were all, like were bad girls or tough chicks or anything like But you just you don't know they had to put this face on for everybody. And um, absolutely. Shangri-La's right. didn't. And, and,
2: right. Yeah. And I mean, I think it goes into that whole era of, you know, things as we as we look back on them. And that was right at the era when essentially white guys were co-opting rock and roll, you know, like basically mm-hmm. yeah. rock and roll was, you know, in the late fifties, essentially an a African-American form of music. And in the early sixties, you start to see that, start to see that change a little bit. And then obviously in 64 with the British invasion blows the roof off the whole thing. You know, the late fifties, obviously Elvis is the one that kind of ushers it into white audiences and then they see the size of those audiences and, and say, Hey, how can we cash in? And I think, you know, like, like you were saying, Ken Barry Gordy says we can cash in by producing groups that are going to appeal to the mainstream. Right. Right. And, and, and whereas with, with the Shangri-Las, you know, you could kind of look at it and be like, Oh, is this going to be the um, you know, the, the co-opting of, of girl groups, but I don't, feel like that really happened uh, for whatever reason um in most of rock and roll rock and roll kind of went real heavy turned up made a real heavy white turn in 1964 but it seems like the the groups that that dressed the same and sang in harmony that didn't really change as much which is kind of interesting to me right and then the only that
1: i think like opposite that I can think of example of that is, of course, when Chuck Berry like obviously stole the idea of rock and roll from through his cousin uh, from a young white student, Marty McFly, who actually came from the future mm-hmm. back to the 1950s right. and then played Johnny B. Good And then he was like, oh, I'm going to steal this because I'm listening to it over the phone because my cousin called me from the high school dance.
2: Well, that's, I mean, that's why I voted Trump. I mean, I, because right. I, I, you know, I, I saw that. I knew that story. The media doesn't want to talk about it. Right, um, right. You know, it's like, finally, we got a guy up here who's willing to tell it like it is, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, well done. Well, you're a patron. And, yeah. that, and I, that's what, I think that's what counts. That's what, that's mm-hmm. what matters. Yeah. So, so they, they went on tour uh, for a couple of years. Made, I mean, they, they, they performed with the Beatles. They performed with the Rolling Stones, the Drifters, James Brown, Uh, a number of different groups. So they, they were really getting their name out there. Um, So they were four in 1964, right? I think in late 63, um, who was it? It was uh, Betty Weiss left the group for a little while Uh, for about nine months. She left the group uh, and they, the group became a trio for a while. So a lot of that, even though she, I think sang on most of the songs when they toured uh, for, for for that point, uh, she, she actually had a child Uh, The group toured as a trio for a lot of the time and where and Mary Weiss, even she was the younger sister, but she was basically considered the leader. You know, she sang lead on most of uh, most of the songs. So. um, uh, The she but uh, so, yeah, yeah. So Betty Weiss dropped out in 1964, came back in 1965. Uh, One of the so what they would do is they would either have their own backing band that played with them or they would just get local bands. To play, you know, from town to town, you know, OK, they would send the music ahead of time. And like this local band, one of the local bands, I thought this was interesting that they toured with was a group called the Iguanas uh, that had a young Iggy Pop. Yeah. Uh,
0: on performing drums. on. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And he's um, he's cited them as a big it's it's amazing how many. Um, like really authentic, hardcore rock acts have uh, have. Talked about the Shangri-La's as a major influence. Yeah, it's it It really is. And their their history isn't that long, obviously.
1: You know, they, they only had a couple of major hits. They had uh, Remember Walking in the Sand, which I want to get back to and talk about that song itself. And of course, Leader of the Pack, the one that everybody knows. Uh, they didn't really last throughout the, you know, by the end of the 60s, by 68, they were pretty much
0: done you know they were over uh yeah girl gr- you know, girl they're, they're, groups were starting to become the the british invasion knocked a lot of those a lot of the girl groups out of uh right but just just the in just the
1: influences that they they did have uh the go Go's cite them and the, the Go Go's like live play remember walking in the sand like mm-hmm. live like all throughout their career they've played it uh blondie amy winehouse the new york dolls the ramones twisted sister twisted sister I don't know if you guys remember, they did they covered Leader of the Pack and made a video which is pretty hilarious and Bobcat got Goldthwaits in it uh in in the mid eighties. They did a uh they, they covered Leader of the Pack and uh D Snyder like sings their praises and basically I think you read that article yeah. and about like where D Snyder basically says like th- the Shangri-La's were kind of the first metal group, like just the vibe that they put out was you know he cites them as like uh, you know a lot of these punk and and metal people they you know really got their influence from uh from these uh from these two sets of sisters
0: yeah yeah the songs were just kind of like short simple um quick bursts of of dark subject matter it, yeah, yeah. I, it, it was i i could see how a lot of i i mean the um the new york dolls loved them like the new york dolls that's who they that's who they were trying to replicate they uh shadow morton produces the new york dolls second album they wanted him they wanted him for the first but the record label stuck them with todd rundgren and then they they got shadow morton who was apparently past his prime and only agreed to do it if the record company bought him a winnebago so he could like retire and travel the country after he finished producing their album uh Ken, Ken, I hate to tell you, but uh, I di- I didn't tell you the stipulation of what uh, Johnny
1: asked for uh, to to be, be on the podcast today. What? Uh, you and I are, are uh, going splitsies on a on a camper. Uh, oh, yeah. No, that's what he asked uh, for. So. Yeah,
2: like an old used one's fine. I just have to get out to the desert. Uh, a buddy of mine's <laughs> opening up a water park and. Um, <laughs> Just I got to find a way out there and I can't really afford hotels all the way across the country. So that was my deal with Chip. Uh, You know, I mean, it's last minute. This was last minute. I mean, I was I was in getting ready to get started on my taxes, which is something I love doing. (laughs) Um, And I was if you think I was looking for really any excuse to avoid them for another hour, you know, quite frankly, can nothing could be further from the truth.
0: Johnny's yeah. like, I'll come on and talk about Bobby McFerrin for two hours. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's wrap up the Shangri-Las and get started on the next one, guys. I got till 5 p.m. Just keep cranking them out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure a guest <laughs> is going to drop out on us next week, so we may as well just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other um, the other Shangri-La's big hit was uh, Great Big Kiss. You best <laughs> So many bands have incorporated. Uh, Johnny Thunders used to cover it all the time. That beginning part where they sing, uh, when I say I'm in love, you best believe I'm in love, L-U-V. The New York Dolls took that for, for looking for a kiss. And then that has been, there are so many examples of other bands. I was reading that number ones column that I've told you about, Chip. Where that dude does mm-hmm. the story behind yeah. every number one single ever. Right. And. Um,
1: but, uh, you know, Aerosmith,
0: they covered Remember Walking in the Rain. And I think it even got maybe Mary Weiss to sing back. back uncredited. Up for yeah, that's so that's what I was wondering about. So they said Mary Weiss sings uncredited background on Aerosmith's version of Remember Walking in the Sand. And I wondered if that was. Like how far she'd fallen, that they weren't even bothering to credit her, or if I know that there was some legal issues where they legally weren't even allowed in the studio to record for a long time because they were they were at war that with might, the might, record company, so I wonder if she did it and couldn't even take the credit
1: right yeah, couldn't because that was part of the when they had broken up in nineteen sixty eight uh for most of the seventies. And, and I know, I think Aerosmith recorded that in 1980. So that's right around the time where it was at least a decade or so, where there was all these legal issues where they weren't allowed. Basically, she wasn't allowed to, to record. So, uh, but like the Jesus and Mary chain, like they cited them as, you know, like I said, twisted sister, Aerosmith, uh, you know, David Gilmore, uh, even Ryan Adams, you know, had he he like references them. I mean, just so many different uh, different groups, you know, cite this, uh, this group as, as such
0: and influence and and i think it's that sound too of oh go ahead i was gonna say that amy winehouse um credits them when she was recording back in black that was who she was listening to the most and that was the kind of record that she wanted to make so it's you know that's obviously such a masterpiece of an album that people are going to remember you know until the end of time and um I don't I mean she, Amy Winehouse was such an undeniable talent she would have been huge, no matter what, but I don't think that she would have looked or sounded like what we remember her as with without the shangri Las influence
1: right yeah exactly and just just again, going back to that melodramatic sound and that production that they had uh the it, remember remember walking in the sand, it started out as a seven minute song it was this seven minute kind of opera and then uh they cut it down to like 2 minutes 16 but i mean it was just the, and I, I i think in Johnny and i were talking about this beforehand but the reason that probably a lot of people know if they don't know the song remember walking the sand listen to it you'll remember it. you'll know it but uh it was in the movie goodfellas scorsese used it in goodfellas which is literally the perfect place for that song i mean like uh you know of course scorsese is you know famous for using great songs to to score his 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 movies, but like it's used perfectly and that, that era, like that's what it is. Like if I were to make a movie, that's that song is just, it's so dark and it like, you can have metal music, you can have dark music, uh, you know, current stuff that like, doesn't really hit me or whatever, but like this song is so badass, and it's just, it's so, uh, it, it, it really, it really hits you.
2: you. yeah. I mean, it goes back to that thing you were saying earlier about painting the, the oral pictures. I mean, it's, uh, that's that song tells a a story and even though the song's only a little over two minutes it's just like and like the way it shifts in tone about midway through and like you realize oh man this is not a a upbeat song this is a sad song uh yeah, yeah. I, 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 that, that's my favorite song of theirs. Um, I, I, it's just like, it's just such an awesome tune. And it's just, I love, I love songs that like change in tone. Like, I think that's such a cool twist that's so rarely incorporated. And so for something to mm-hmm. start off as sort of this poppy, upbeat thing, and then all of a sudden slow way down and like get kind of dark. I really dig that kind of stuff because it's so rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Too, and, and it's sure. just,
1: it's just, it, it really just, it's such a, it's, there's such a mood to this song. So, uh, if you, if you're not familiar with it, just look up, remember Walking in the Sand, and you'll be like, oh yeah, this is one of my favorite well, songs. Yeah,
0: we'll put a clip in. Now. There's, there's a bunch of versions out there. I saw there's, yeah. there's a live so, version. Uh, I saw Melda May do with Jeff Beck. That's like a six or seven minute version. Okay. That is. Yeah. Fucking mind blown. Oh, that's, that's did they great. did they write the song or did they have a writer they had a writer it was um it was i want to say shadow morton with with this woman ellie greenwich who uh was yeah. like a big brill building uh songwriter um i just watched this documentary on i was telling chip about it uh, this songwriter about this dude burt burns and um he wrote he wrote and produced some of the biggest classics uh, in our lifetime, and her name came up. She was interviewed in this documentary a, a good bit. Her her name came up a lot. Yeah.
1: Um. And yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and I think it's just a. Uh, um, oh, and one one thing to remember too is that I don't know if it was on the actual single but at least on the demo a young upstart uh by the name of billy joel oh, yeah played piano on remember walking in the sand so i mean this you know you know queens long island you know that that sound uh from those times so definitely a lot of people had hands in that in that song so but 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 the, the girls they had a, a handful of hits but they after these first couple this, this you know before, like you said you know,
2: all right but this was before he he found green day
0: yes yeah same yes. same Billy Joel yes. this, okay. is before, all right. All right. this is before this is before this is before piano man Billy
1: Joel <laughs> became the lead singer of Green Day Basket Case uh, gotcha you know, gotcha okay. view, all I just, I'm just trying to yeah, put this is,
2: it you know for the listener I just want to put these things chronologically so we don't right. skip around so
0: it was so, like the so. nylon that's why we that's why we bring you on that's why we bring you on Johnny to keep yes. us honest yeah so it was like the nylon curtain came out and then I think it was dookie
1: yes I think that's that's how it went yeah um so they um, they had a couple more hits, but obviously, like the girl group, like you said, kind of went out of went out of favor. And in, you know, they they had moved around to a couple of different a uh, couple of different record labels that weren't really, you know, get gaining them many hits. And in 1968, they uh, disbanded after they were on the Mercury label for a while. And, you know, nothing really came of it. Shadow Morton was having some issues and he was also moving on to, you know, he he performed with the producer like Janice Ian and. Uh, A bunch of other groups, uh, Vanilla Fudge and, you know, of course, the New York Dolls then. Uh, So they disbanded in. I
2: I love that. um, I love that Vanilla Fudge song. Fudge, fudge, baby, too sweet, too sweet. Vanilla fudge, fudge, baby, too sweet. Remember that one? You know, again, Johnny, that's
1: why we bring you on is to just have that that just breadth of knowledge. Uh, about, mm-hmm. about music, and and we re- we really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, they, they the the uh, the girls did a handful of performances in the seventies, but again, there was like this shady legal stuff that they couldn't perform a whole lot and or you know make music. But um, they did make an album in nineteen seventy seven, but they didn't release it because they just they didn't feel like it was good enough, and they just you know they went through the 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 motions, but they never they didn't release the seventy seven. Uh, hit. They did a, a, apparently a pretty famous live performance at CBGB in 1977 where they got a lot of validation. It was kind of the first time that I was reading one article where they didn't realize that, like, how much of an influence they had, like, on all these punk people that, uh, you know, that, that were huge fans. So they, they did that. Um, other labels actually wanted them to then continue, but they thought they should continue uh, doing disco. Uh, Because, of course, that was popular of the day in 1977. Disco music. And they they declined. They're like, we're not doing this disco shit. And because they thought they were going to go more of like a Patti Smith punk kind of route. Like, that's what they were aiming for. And they just kind of wanted to make them these, you know, these disco, this disco group. And they're like, nah, uh, no, thanks. And then um, in the 80s, I thought this was great. Did you watch that Entertainment Tonight interview with them, Ken? No, I didn't see it. Okay, it's on YouTube. It's it's perfect. It's it's in 1989, I think, and basically it it's it's interviewing uh, the 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 members of uh, of the Shangri Las. But in the 80s, there was this guy, Dick Fox, who literally just—if you can picture a guy in the 80s named Dick Fox, you're picturing him. That's exactly what he looks like. <laughs> uh, he claims that he bought the name rights of the Shangri-Las and put together this girl group called the Shangri-Las that went out and toured. And like, when I say toured, like they were doing these like half ass venues, right. Uh, but they were performing as the Shangri-Las and the, and like, they were much younger than the actual group. They were like, I think in their twenties or whatever. And they were going out and it's one of these like gotcha journalism things, which I think is so great where like people weren't aware of like what's going on pre-internet, and and like this guy gets totally he get he gets he gets totally caught off guard because basically he was like, well, they're not touring, so we're just using their name, and and he apparently said that he got the naming rights, and I have these these girls that are singing as the Shangri-Las, but they're not claiming to be the Shangri-Las. It's just a tribute to them. And they're like, well, we have on tape that the girls are saying yeah when we recorded these songs in the 60s and they're like in their 20s in like late 80s and and like people and there was even this. an interview with somebody who was like we hired them to come do some like class reunion or something like that and like they got there like these aren't the fucking shangri-la's like these are fucking kids but like they would do these like the stage banter like when we recorded this in nineteen 19- 63 and you're like you're you're 20 years old it's 1989 and uh but the guy was so arrogant in this interview and then he's like wait so you're saying you have tape of them saying that and they like showed him the tape and he was like totally you know like he just knew that it was you know and they basically backed off of it but it's it's a great late 80s uh
2: i feel like you know we talked earlier about changing ken's name uh to viper i think we should change yours to dick fox because, I mean, I'll tell you now, if I saw, like, a podcast hosted yep. by Viper and Dick Fox.
0: I love rock and roll with Viper did. and Dick Fox. It does sound yeah. a lot more rock and roll than Ken Krantz and Chip Chantry.
2: No, it does. It does. Yeah. 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 You know, you guys got the whole little... Johnny, have
0: you ever had a bad idea?
2: Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I keep waiting. Yeah. Uh, Chip will tell you. Chip will tell you. I am chock full of good ideas that always work. Not... N- you know what
1: got not me not a not a misstep along the way <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you know what got me about this story is um like the life after the shangri-la's mm-hmm. so it it looks like um i it they there wasn't much about the other girls i know one of the twin sisters died young uh, of an yeah, overdose so, so
1: Ma- uh Marianne ganser uh she she had drug and alcohol issues. She uh, she died in 1970. So uh, she in, in 70, she passed away. Her the twin sister, uh, Marge, uh, she got married. She just she got a job like 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 the telephone company or something like that. I think, like li- lived on Long Island and uh, she died of breast cancer in 1996.
0: So that's um, what that and, and then and then Mary Weiss became like she, she went to work for like an architectural firm and became like a buyer for them and and had this yeah. long career and I always like wonder, but like, how do you go from performing with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and being on national television and number one hits? And, and then one day, like you're in a like an office or a cubicle just doing a nine to five. And, and well, just think about it, like the highs and lows,
1: like like right now, like at this moment, Johnny Goodtimes is on a hit podcast. And in just a couple of minutes, he's going to have to just go back to his normal life of avoiding doing his taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just imagine <laughs> the, the psychological impact that
0: that would have. No, it's, no, it's, it's hard. I, I picture him you. waiting for a call from another podcast to cover an S band like, uh, no, sorry, I can't do the rascals. And then the phone yeah. rings with like space hog. Yeah. Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah, I got <laughs> I know all about him.
1: I uh, OK,
0: I have I have the greatest space hog story in the world. I bet it's I, better. I bet you even the guys in Space Hog don't have good space hog stories. I, I, bet,
1: I bet you they don't. <laughs> I First of all, I love that album, their first album. That's the, the, the first
0: album was great. That album was uh, I mean, they were if you're going to rip somebody off, you, you may as well rip off David Bowie. Yeah, that, al- I mean, that it, album was good.
1: It, it's great. And that I knew that they were going to be basically one hit because the song in the meantime is maybe the perfect pop rock song of all time. It's just such a great song that it's like, you're never going to recreate that. Like there's no way. Um, so I love that album in the nineties in, I think it was maybe like 2009, 2010, my good friend uh, who Johnny knows Rob Banowitz and I decided to go see space hog at the note in Westchester, Pennsylvania, which was owned by Bam Morgera mm-hmm. of uh jackass fame viva la bam and it's just this little rock club but we're like let's go see space hog so we get there we so rob my buddy rob comes over to my house and we're hanging out we're having a couple drinks and we like, okay let's go and you, you got to drive like it's a it's a 45 minute drive from the city and we get there and they're already on stage and we're like oh shit like we missed you know, their opener or whatever, you know, like we, we missed the opening band and we missed, they're already performing. So we perform, we, so we watched them and they were great. And they clo- closed with the song zeros, I believe, which is, which is a great song. And then they just got off stage and left. And we realized they must have opened with, in the meantime, and we never saw them do their big number one hit that like, that's the reason we're going, like, we're going to rock out to the greatest song, of this basic one hit wonder and they must have opened with it. And we showed up late and we just watched the rest of space hogs catalog.
2: Yeah. A lot of the space hog deep cuts. Yeah. (laughs) Was that
1: story? (laughs) Was that story in your grandfather's S uh, encyclopedia?
2: Uh, yeah, no, uh, there's, um, there's some good space hog stories in there because stories also starts with S. Uh, so yeah, there's some really good stories in there, but that one didn't make the cut apparently. Okay. All right. Yeah. But it was a great story about you and Rob driving to a concert. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, see, that's, that's what we're here for. You're, you're here for the knowledge. While you were telling that, while you were telling that story, I was able to finish up my taxes. (laughs) Is that right? Okay. (laughs) Ah.
1: See, I wanted to give you the time. The deadline's uh, coming, Johnny. I was like, uh, I, I need appreciate him. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um so so um, yeah, so
0: she becomes like I wonder like you're sitting like you're sitting at a desk like does she like I know that she must have been pretty bitter, right? Cuz they the the apparently the record label stole millions from them. Like yeah. like a lot of these groups got fucked over back then. Mm-hmm. So you know to be generating all this money for somebody and like you're performing and generating it and then not seeing seeing the money that that's got to be maddening yep. but i like i like i was trying to picture her sitting in an architectural firm and like amy winehouse is on the radio and and you're listening right. like oh my god that's that's me she's doing what i do and and she's you know yeah a millionaire and, and, and adored and known all over the planet. And, and I'm, I'm singing background vocals Um, uh, on my own song, uncredited.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, but then in 2007, she actually did release a solo album that I listened to. You can listen to on YouTube or I listened to it. It wasn't bad. Yeah, it was fun. It was, and it was, it really harkens back to that, that early stuff. Um, so, so it was, it was a lot of fun. So she did that. Um, and then her sister, Betty, uh, she was the one she had the daughter in 1964. Uh, she got married and just like lives and works on Long Island. She And she, Betty was actually the only one of the four that ever actually had kids. So I think there's only I don't know if that if that was her only daughter. She had other kids, but she's the only one who had any. So there's there's very few Shangri-La descendants out there right now. Except Staples for Dick sisters. Foxes. Well, Dick Fox, a lot of the Dick Foxes. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Sta- Staple sisters. That's what I was trying to think of earlier. Oh, the
0: Staples sisters. Yeah.
2: And I should have known it starts with an S, but they're the ones whose, they're the ones whose father was the leader of the group and they sang all those songs about sex.
0: Okay. I got I always thought that's funny because every time you see them, it's like Mavis Staple and, and I, I don't know the other one's name, but, um, there's the store Staples. Yeah. Oh, that's, it's probably the same family. Yeah. Um,
1: but every time, do you ever go in there? I don't know if you've ever gone into Staples and you just like any time I've walked into store Staples, like I'll ask a clerk, I'll be like, "Excuse me, do you know where the uh, three punch holes are?" And then they just talk about the sexiest things I've ever heard.
2: Well, they're always playing those sexy songs over the loudspeaker. Uh, yeah. Whenever I go in there, it's it's almost like a mix between a uh, between it's it's a really funky place. It's almost like a mix between you know like your your average general store and like a really sexy lounge. Yeah. Yeah, have I've, you had yeah. the martini? I haven't. Have you, is it good? Have you? Have you, you have, you've not had the stapletini? Oh my god, the stapletini. <laughs> is, is it good? Wow. Oh my god, it is. I wouldn't say it's good as much as it's sexy. It's just a sexy drink. You and your gal, you know, you can have a seat right by the uh, right by the copiers, the copy machine. Okay. Yeah, um, they're a little bit big and bulky, and if somebody needs to print something, you have to move away so they can come in and print. Um, mm-hmm. But they they work really well as martini tables. Okay, that's good to know. Good to I've know, only
0: yeah. been in a Staples once, but the one time I went, um, a fully naked Miley Cyrus came swinging through on a giant wrecking ball. And I was like, this place is wild. That'll happen. Yeah, yeah that w- that will happen. I- I've, I've yeah. heard that happens on,
1: uh, uh, I think it's twos- Tuesdays they do that. It's like kind mm-hmm. of their special.
0: Mm-hmm. But I would say, I always thought of the Staples, the Staples sisters as like... Um, um, like a gospel group. I didn't know that right. they started out singing because that's what sort of they became.
2: Right. Well, they, they it's like a lot of those artists from back then came from the church background and realized there was money to be made in secular music. And like that was part of it. Like, I think they just were like, oh, why sing about... You know, church, and we can just. But I, up. but
0: I think they like went. I think they went reverse First? on that. Yeah, if if what oh, you're really? saying, if what you're, if if that's, if what you're saying is true, and that's who you're talking. Because I've always thought, like you see them now, and it's always, it's always gospel, at least gospel esque,
2: huh? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know which one came before, uh, well, the we'll, the here, but, um, but yeah, I know they did both.
0: We'll have you back on for a staple sisters episode. Cause it's, well, it's I, nice. just,
2: I just want to throw something out
1: there. We're all a little musically inclined, right? What if we start a band that just sings the sexiest gospel music out there? <laughs> Like it's yeah. gospel music. It's about the Bible. It's about the Lord, but it's really, really sexy.
2: Yeah, right. It's like almost like yeah. It's like uh, what do they call them? The uh, the the jars of clay. Yeah, it's like jars of clay meets Joe to see. Oh, you know, sort of. That's what we take take to the record execs. That's what we tell them.
1: Johnny, uh, did you recently buy a J copy of the encyclopedia?
2: Yeah. Uh, so anyway, my granddad, um, right before he died, um, he what little money he had left. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knew my name started with a J, so he gave me a J encyclopedia um, on his deathbed. That's great. And, uh, yeah, no, that's I've heard it for a long time. So, Six. yeah, if you guys do an episode on, um, you know, Jodeci, uh Jerry Lee Lewis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, Junkyard Dog, if you venture into wrestling from the mid-80s. Wrestling, sure. Um, yeah, yeah, so there's lots of things. So there's lots of things. I'm uh, probably yeah. a
0: lot of wrestling episodes coming up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing I was going to say too, that to harken back to what you said earlier was the, uh, what was interesting to me is the album that didn't get released. Yeah. And like, that's something like with what you guys do that I would love to hear you guys do some episodes of, cause there's some really crazy albums that never got released. Like, yeah, I'm and- fascinated. I'm fascinated by that concept of like going in the studio, getting the whole thing done, being like spending all that money. And then like. All right. Well, let's just keep it in the in the can.
0: Let's yeah, just, you know. I, I think Chip. Did I send you that? Art? I actually just found a Rolling Stone list of the forty most legendary unreleased yes. albums because yeah, I've I've yeah. got the same fascination with that. Especially, like, listen. Okay, I get like a Prince or a Bruce Springsteen. Like Bruce Springsteen. Apparently, there's like an electric version of Nebraska somewhere out there that never got yeah. released. Prince's famous Black Album, which I think ultimately did see a release, you know, like 20 or 30 and years and later. Prince did
2: that one where he pretended like he was a woman. Yeah.
0: Oh, he right.
2: Album. Yeah, he did an album where he was like trying to make it not by Prince. And that was why he didn't release it, because the record company was like, we have to release this as Prince if we're going to sell it. And he was like, no, I want you to release I this. think. He, I think
1: he put it under the name Christina Gaines. I think that's the name yeah. that he used.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah.
1: Well, And then there was, of course, Michael Jackson had that thing because Michael Jackson was so popular in, you know, of course, with, with Jackson 5, had all those hits. Then he went solo. He did Off the Wall. And then he apparently went in the studio in the early 80s, did this album called Thriller that was going to just revolutionize the way that people looked. At it. And as far as I understand, it, it it never got released. There was apparently Eddie Van Halen played on it. There was going to be uh, you know you know dance numbers. There's going to be there's going to be you know rock and numbers. It was it. called and Thriller. It was, it was called Thriller. Like it was almost like a horror kind of like the apparently the title track was basically about like zombies and and stuff like that. That. As far I've looked it up, and apparently it's never seen the light of day. That sounds wild. But everybody said it's like that was going to be a great album, but he just never did it, and then you just never really heard from him again.
0: Mm. Yeah, he fought hard to stop records from being like mostly police records, but well,
2: yeah, all types of records. All all yeah, I mean that's well, that was the thing. He didn't get along with Sting, so he didn't want those police records released. Uh, He tried to stop synchronicity. I mean, it was. You know, that was some of the earliest diss tracks, early 80s, Sting, my MJ, going back and forth. Uh, yeah. Don't stand so close yeah. to me. That's Sting's song about Michael Jackson. Like, stay away from me. Yeah. That's
1: exactly what it was.
0: But so so what I was saying, like, I understand when somebody at that level doesn't want to release an album, but you'd think the Shangri La's would be like. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: all right right. like nobody's heard from us in a decade even if it's not totally up to snuff maybe just get our name out there
2: well that's another question too is is has there can you think of any examples where like a group totally disappeared and then came back 10 years later and was able to recapture the magic like there's so many groups that kind of disappear and then 10 years later they say hey let's get the band back together but by that point, nobody cares. Now, they can come back as a tribute to themselves. You know, like, right. everybody can come back and play their hits. But how many yeah. have recorded, like, new material 10 years after the previous album and had it actually sell?
1: If you're listening right now, uh, go to Twitter and at uh, Rock and Roll Pod. Uh, let us know if you can think of any albums like that. Yeah, because I'm trying to think of, is there a group that just... That went away, came like, back. and Yeah,
2: once you lose that momentum, yes. it's just like, you know, because, I mean, groups have gotten back. Like, the Eagles got back together for Hell Freeze is Over, and I guess they did a few new songs. But when you think about the Eagles, you still think about all their 1970s right. songs. You don't really think about their 90s songs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I'm trying to think of, like, you know, like groups, and obviously groups like the Stones that just have played forever, but, like, groups that actually really fell off the ledge, and you just didn't hear anything, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden came back and, and people were into them again.
1: Yeah, well, I, Let's try that. I think that's a good idea with our new group that we're going to do, the three of us. Let's write a really big hit album.
2: Mm-hmm. Tour I'm with, with it, it for
1: a year or so. Mm-hmm. Disband.
2: Mm-hmm. And then in
1: like the year 2030, we'll come back and see if uh, if we can recreate that magic.
2: Yeah. Well, let me check with my wife first, but I don't see it being a problem, uh, especially <laughs> okay. <the> touring. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think, yeah
0: He's I think a, he has to check out. with his accountant.
2: Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Let me see how. Let me see if I'm getting a, a tax rebate. Uh, if I'm getting money back from the government, then I think we can do this.
0: So sexy ass gospel songs. That's that's yeah. what we're looking for.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're gonna and we're also gonna open a an accompanying um, store that's gonna sell like notebooks and pens and stuff like that. Uh, it's yeah. gonna go hand in hand with the uh, with the group. All right, hear
1: Johnny, me, hear me which, out. I,
2: I don't mean to get into your personal life,
1: Johnny, but like. Y- you know, you, there are accountants. Like people can do your taxes for a reasonable fee, right? They you could know that could, or, yeah. you, you can hire somebody to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel yeah. like that'd be something. Like, I'd even get you, like, maybe for your next birthday, like, get you a gift card to H&R Block, <laughs> H&R, or something H&R like that, Block to, card for like a hundred yeah. bucks, and they can just they can do it for. It. I just, I, I feel like John, like the, the number of times I've been to something called Quizzo Bowl, which is the biggest trivia event in philadelphia of the year that you're in charge of and there's four ready to play and you're running around backstage saying i can't remember where i put the questions
2: yeah right yeah, like that's frantically looking for it.
1: the questions you would think that paperwork might be something that you'd want to push off to somebody else
2: yeah yeah i'm just a- I'm,
1: like i'm just I'm i'm just shooting
2: Shooting from yeah, the hip no, here. But If I knew, if I had like a Dick Fox type guy that, that could just look at those numbers, crunch right. them, uh, get them to the government, and yeah. uh, you know, and 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 do all that stuff for me, then I would, um, I would do it. But I don't, you know, I don't have, I don't have a Dick Fox in my corner.
1: Yeah. I, I, cause I've always used an accountant. Like, I was just, I just pay for it. And, and like, literally, like, when he's like, Do you have documentation? I'm the type that, like, I'll pull out everything in my front pockets and it's just sort of like crumpled up dollar bills, some change. I'm like, How much is this many? <laughs> and then he'll be like, Okay, I'll just do the short form and I'll, I'll try to figure <laughs> right. it out.
2: Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, do you have receipts it's, for this? I, I'm, and I'm like, like Well, you know, I went to Walgreens right. yesterday and I, I got some gum.
1: Me going into an accountant with my paperwork is kind of like when Pee Wee comes in from the rain to the psychic. (laughs) Okay. And just like puts those like crumpled up dollar bills.
2: Right. No, it's funny you mentioned that because I was going to say earlier when we were talking about me doing my taxes and deciding to do this podcast instead, it's like when Pee Wee is in the pet shop and he keeps running by the snake tank. And he's like, no, I'm going to deal with the snake tank You're later. Right like, that's, that's me doing my taxes. Like, oh, oh, yeah, no, podcast. Oh, I'm there. I'm there. I'm, I'm going to rescue the monkeys. I'm going to I'm going to rescue the birds. Right. But yeah, I'll come back for the snakes yeah. later. Yeah.
0: I'll, I'll rescue I'll rescue Viper and Dick, Dick <laughs> Viper and Dick Fox. Is that your, yeah. What, what yeah, was the, your the name? Viper
2: and the Fox the Viper yeah.
0: and the Fox? Oh, maybe that's. The Fox.
2: <laughs> I mean, you guys have to now. You have to have like an after, like a like a like a Z Morning Zoo type show if you're Viper in the yeah. Fox. Yeah, I, I
1: think that's our new. Yeah, I love yeah, rock and roll with need, Viper in the Fox. Yeah, we need to, coming, at, right. you. <laughs> coming <laughs> at you. Coming
0: at you with Viper in the Boy. Fox. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I like I like uh, where this show's
0: going now. I like I it, it too. Very- <laughs> God damn it, Johnny! Good times. Where have you been all our lives?
2: I know, I know. It's just these ideas.
0: I never put them into action, uh, but the ideas
2: are just gold.
1: Hey, hey what, all right, uh, r- right now, right now on Viper and the Fox, we got we got Marianne Ganser on the phone. <laughs> we're, we're we're pranking
0: her. We're, we're going to tell her we're from Mercury Records. <laughs> we're going to tell her we're the head of Hollywood, and we need her on Viper and the Fox. <laughs> coming at you. Hey, what do you no, think eight, for nine 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 into a twelve? <laughs> what do you think for sexy ass gospel album title, Jesus Hand Release Me? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like that. I like yeah, I I like what you're what you're putting down. Um yeah, no, I'm definitely ready. I'll be harmonizing. This afternoon, uh, I'd much rather harmonize and work on my taxes. So I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be in the bathroom,
0: and just kind of. Daddy's like, know. I'd much rather teach myself how to sing at this age, than do my taxes. <laughs> yep, yep. Pretty how are yep. you gonna practice harmonizing alone?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's why you guys hired me. Uh, that's why you brought me into the band.
0: All right. Well, I, I I think we've
2: learned a lot about the Shangri Las today.
0: I think (laughs) think we we really have. This one went off the rails a little bit, but yeah, we're just having a good time here at Viper and the Fox.
2: (laughs) Viper and the Fox. We don't stick too close to the facts. We just like to have fun.
0: (laughs) John, do you have anything Uh, uh, you want to plug?
2: Yeah, listen to my podcast, Worthless Knowledge.
0: Uh, I think we just did.
2: Yeah, right. I know I think this was a worthless knowledge takeover, takeover episode. <laughs> um yes, yes, my podcast is if you like this podcast, I think you're gonna like that one. Um yeah. And and then uh yeah, that's about it.
0: Chip, you got anything?
2: Uh just follow me at Chip Chantry
1: on social medias and oh God, uh, follow, follow me. uh at rock and roll pod on Twitter and Instagram and um yeah, uh, how about you, uh, Kenneth?
0: Uh, if uh, if uh, you want to come see me live, I'm uh, I will be at the Count Basie Theater in Red Bank on Saturday, the fifteenth of this month. I guess next weekend. Uh, opening opening for Rich Voss. Nice. And then nice. yeah, I know I have like this awesome theater show on my calendar, and then I think I go into retirement according to the rest of my calendar. Yeah, so come yeah. see what's probably my final performance.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's like the. Will you be like, covering
1: "Remember Walking in the Rain"?
0: Walking in the sand. Yeah, I will be walking in the sand. I'm yes, sorry, in the sand. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay.
2: Good. Now, walking in the rain. You're thinking of Orange Juice Jones. That's, that's the one. Ready. That's, that's, the one whole, that's a here whole. That's a whole different now episode. Now.
0: That's right. As Soon as that's
2: we wrap happened. this yeah. one up, we go into our Orange Juice Jones episode. Yeah, we're, yeah.
0: we we got to call our O comic for that though.
2: Yeah. 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 I don't know anything
0: about him. All, right. <laughs> All right, guys. Johnny, thank you so much for hopping in last minute. I, I hope that we we. I feel like we talked about the Shangri La's enough. I think we did. Yeah. I think we
1: hit. I think we did. Yeah, yeah, they're doing fine,
0: except the dead one. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, yeah. All right. All right, guys. Thanks so much. See you next week.